0: Good morning, Grace 412 podcast listeners. It is Wednesday morning. We are doing lesson run through for tonight. We're wrapping up our series in 2 Corinthians that we're calling Why Should I Praise? Next week is actually Thanksgiving, and then this week, tonight, is our last Grace 412 of the semester, and so we are having a Thanksgiving dinner. We're gonna go around the table like you do, like is customary, and ask people to share what they're thankful for. For those of you guys that have kids that are younger or maybe babysit uh, or younger siblings, you know the ugh, the Cocomelon song, right? Thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for the things I have. Thank you's never end. What are you thankful for? What are you? Oh, man heard it too many times but uh you know thanksgiving time we sit around the table we ask what we're thankful for and that's usually what we get right oh i'm thankful for my family i'm thankful for my friends i'm thankful for my house i'm thankful for the nice things i'm thankful for the stuff i'm thank you thankful for the the good in my life But how many of us would actually say we're thankful for the struggles? How many of us would say we're thankful for the battles? We're thankful for the teaching moments. We're thankful for the challenges. Tonight we're wrapping up our series that we're calling Why Should I Praise? And we're answering the question, why should I praise when I can't seem to get victory? remember we're reading through second corinthians we're talking about the church at corinth that had come a long way right they had seen god do a transforming work in their life you look back at first corinthians and paul's writing and just listing out all the different moral uh struggles that they were dealing with all the sins in their church and now you get to second corinthians they're dying for their faith they're living lives of praise they're living lives that glorify god but they still had some battles. And so in chapter 10, Paul addresses some of these battles. Uh, they're external battles, but Paul addresses them from an internal emphasis. He he addresses a battle uh, for their mind, the war in their mind. And so we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For context, you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and Paul's talking about their ministry. And uh, he says, you know, as touching the ministry of saints, he says it's almost pointless for me to write to you because you've done such a good job he says i've actually been bragging to the other churches about how well you're serving and about how much you give and he basically says it's going to be kind of embarrassing if i come there to you with these other people now and you don't give see the church at corinth uh, to some degree or another as we look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, they were they were obviously still focused on externals. Um, for whatever reason, uh, it seems like they were sort of doubting Paul's credentials or doubting the ministry he's currently working with. We're not really sure what exactly is going on there, but it seems like Paul is driving them to have a more internally focused ministry. And so he ends chapter 9 saying, hey, you're going to grow what you've planted, and you guys have planted the seeds of the gospel and it's a an internal and eternal work that is taking place here and people can see that he gets to second corinthians chapter 10 and he says in verse one now i paul beseech you or i beg you by the meekness and gentleness of christ who is in the presence in presence and base among you But being absent, I'm bold towards you, but I beseech you, he says, I'm bold towards you in in this letter in absence, but I'm begging you that I might be bold when I'm present with you, that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So he says, I wish I could be more bold against some of you that seem to think we're still walking after the flesh. He says, we walk not after the flesh. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So Paul says, "Hey, I might come across as a little bit quieter or less bold when we're together, but I don't want to." He says, "I need you to know this is important. Some of you still seem to think this is about some physical thing." Verse uh, or in chapter nine, he says, "Hey, you guys are serving, you guys are giving, you guys are planting seeds." But then chapter ten, he's like, "You know what's frustrating? That a lot of you are still living after the flesh." So you remember in 1 Corinthians, they're obviously living after the flesh, right? They're fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. They're living after their own desires, and now you get to Second Corinthians, and Paul says you're serving, you're ministering, you're giving, but to some degree or another, it's, it's like you still seem to be walking according to the flesh. And what's interesting is, it doesn't really list out what they're doing, whether they're pursuing the law, or whether they're trusting their own strength, or whether they're just feeling pretty good about themselves, or how much they're giving, or their service, or their ministries. But whatever it is, it seems like they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And what's important for us to note from this is that both serving the flesh and serving in the flesh will only lead to disappointment. Serving the flesh and serving in the flesh will both only lead to disappointment. There's no fulfillment in selfishness. Paul says, hey, though you seem to walk in the flesh, we're not warring after the flesh. Simply put, whether we're sinning or serving, if you're doing it for you, you're losing Uh, you're fighting a losing battle whether you're sinning or serving if you're doing it for you you're fighting losing battle we talked on sunday about having an audience of one and it's true many of us live for an audience of one but that audience is us what can i get how can i be satisfied how do i feel what do i think how can I be safe how can I be happy where can I find fulfillment and we do that sometimes through sin and sometimes you do that through good things like serving but Paul says there's more to it than that he says though we walk in the flesh we're not warring after the flesh a lot of us are trying to get victory in our lives over specific sins or over relationship problems or over pride or over bitterness or over doubt and we're doing it in our own strength, in our own solutions, in our own uh, manufactured form of happiness. And Paul says it's not gonna work. He goes on in chapter 10 and verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. He says, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's what we talked about several weeks ago. Pastor Josh mentioned it as well. The battle for the will is preceded by the battle for the mind. The battle for the will is preceded by the battle for the mind he says casting down imaginations and every thought that lifts itself up against the knowledge of god see when we're living after the flesh we are unconsciously saying that we know better than god and to some degree or another that's what was happening at corinth that these people uh were to some degree or another another thinking that they uh knew better And this happens in our own lives so often. God says, I want you to sacrifice. I want you to give. I want you to live by faith. We say, yeah, but I'd rather have a little bit of extra money to spend on myself, right? A little nest egg. God says, confess your faults one to another so you can have accountability, so you can grow together. But we're like, yeah, but I don't want those people to think less of me. So I just won't do that sin again instead. God says, I want you to share the hope of the gospel. I want you to share the love of Jesus with that person that is hard to love. And we're like, yeah, but you know, they have other people in their lives and they really frustrate me and you know like i've gotta worry about my mental health too so i'm just gonna ignore those people or i'm just gonna maybe talk badly about those people behind their back because it just makes me feel a little bit better but paul says no that's not what's happening he says i cast down every imagination everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of god aka the truth of his word and he says and i'm bringing those thoughts into captivity and into obedience of christ Louis Giglio has a book I've been talking about uh, that he calls Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And he's basically explaining that when we allow those those thoughts, those lies from the enemy to, to sit and marinate in our hearts and in our minds, we're allowing the enemy to have a place that he was not intended to have a place. And the enemy, he is great at lying. These are the imaginations that exalt themselves against the the knowledge of God. That's the lies of the enemy. But the enemy, he, he doesn't make himself known, and he doesn't portray himself as the enemy. Those lies don't portray themselves as destructive lies. They come in as half-truths that enter our hearts or enter our minds. They sound logical. They sound uh, helpful. They sound self-preserving. And so it's like, hey, how you doing? Uh, you're looking at that stuff again, right? You should probably delete your history. Uh, you don't want your parents to find out about that. Uh, don't tell them about it, actually, because then they're going to put all those safeguards in place, and it's going to be really inconvenient for you to deal with that. You you just apologize to God, and you won't do it again, and it'll be fine. Or the enemy says, hey, that girl, she sat with you again. She's the worst, isn't she? Like, I bet you she'll steal your new friend like she stole your old friend. Uh, But she wants to be friends with you too, like, uh, you know what, maybe just pretend to be nice or maybe talk bad about her to her other friends, right? Because that's not gossip. It's just venting these lies. He says, here comes that depression again, right? That's embarrassing. Don't tell anybody about that. Don't ask for prayer. Definitely don't do counseling. Like, how needy and pathetic is that? You'll be fine, right? I'm, I'm sure... Maybe not, but like, there's nothing worse than being honest about something like that, right? There's nothing worse than being vulnerable. These are the lies that the enemy comes in with, the vain imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God that defy the truth of God's word and who he is and what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be. For us, these are lies that might apply to us, but for the church at Corinth, again, they were focused on the external, right? And so to some degree or another they were questioning Paul's ministry for for them those lies were we don't need to give to them we don't need to support them or we don't need to serve in that way or we need to find fulfillment in our serving right they went from sin to serving and there's some layer of doubt or confusion that we don't have all the context to here in chapter 9 and chapter 10 but we know that there was some battle within themselves and even within their minds and paul says you got to cast down those vain imaginations and anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of god and you got to bring that into captivity what do we do to win this battle in our minds we talked about it last week we preach truth to ourselves over and over what's the truth that paul was talking about what's the knowledge of god what's the obedience of christ he was talking about you point back to chapter 9 and he unveils it in chapter 9 and verse 11 he says i'm being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to god for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto god while by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for profess- or for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. He says, I'm giving thanks for your gift and for your ministry because it reminded others, including me, of God's gift. And then he says, thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. What's that unspeakable gift? It's the gospel. Why should I praise when I can't get victory? Why should I give thanks when I keep losing this battle for my thoughts, this battle in my mind? Thanksgiving starts with the gospel. I celebrate the reality that we are more than conquerors and we have been given the victory through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. I preach truth to myself. When it's difficult, when it's hard to get victory, when it's not going the way that I want, when the lies are easier to believe, I remember that Christ has already won the victory. It's not about fighting this battle in my own strength. It's not a war in the flesh. This is a war in the heart and the mind and the soul and the spirit. And thanksgiving begins with the understanding that we are more than conquerors and that we have been given victory through the finished work of Jesus. Paul expounds on this and he says, I now have chapter 10 and verse 6, a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to, to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. And so again, we have this, this sort of inner dialogue that's happening where there's obviously some form of questioning from the church at Corinth. And Paul says, hey, if you are of Christ because of your belief in the gospel, then so are we. And so it might've been a Jew and Gentile thing, it might've been a cultural thing, or it might've just been a personality thing, we don't know. But Paul's saying, hey, if you're of Christ, we're of christ because of our belief in the gospel and in chapter 10 and verse 6 he says and i have a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled paul was ready to avenge all disobedience he hated the times when he walked after the flesh he was ready to go to war with the flesh he says i want to avenge all disobedience see a lot of christians are praying for victory in spiritual battles but they're not really fighting We don't want to avenge all disobedience. We don't want a war in the flesh or the spirit. We don't want to fight at all. A lot of us just want to stay apathetic. We want to stay comfortable. We want to stay under the radar, keep doing this same old thing, this same old way until we get old and we die. And that was that. And it'll be enough that we get to go to heaven. But Paul said, hey, uh uh-uh. I want to revenge all disobedience until obedience is fulfilled. You've, you've believed the gospel. You, you have obeyed God's call in your life. I believe the gospel. I've obeyed God's call in my life, and we're pursuing him together. Paul says, I'll confront you in person if I have to. But he says, I don't want to have to do that. He says, I'm, I'm ready to go to war for the sake of the gospel. A lot of us, we want spiritual victory. We want to win the war in our minds, but we're not ready to fight the fight that it takes to get that victory, or to acknowledge the truth that we already have that victory in and through the person of Jesus, in and through the work on the cross. Just remember, Paul says, uh, we are in Christ. He says, as you are in Christ, I am in Christ. The gospel is the beginning and the end of all the argument. How do we praise when we can't get victory? How do we praise when we keep focusing on the flesh? How do we praise when we keep living for the temporary things? We take every thought captive. We put it in subjection and into obedience. Obedience to the truth of God's word and obedience to who God has made us to be. It's it's not this power of positive thinking thing. It's actually quite the opposite. It's saying, I can't believe everything I tell myself. That's such an important truth for us to grasp. Don't believe everything you tell yourself. Instead, I take every thought captive and I put it into obedience of Christ. The church at Corinth had come a long way from 1 Corinthians, right? But they still had struggles. They still focused on the external. They still focused on the earthly. They still focused on the temporary. And just like them and just like Paul, we have to go to war with our thoughts as well with these same sorts of tempting thoughts and when we do that we're not going to immediately have victory we're not going to immediately have freedom we're not going to immediately win the war in our minds, so to speak but we're going to start to see small battles won we're going to start to see a more eternal perspective we're going to start to see god do a work in our hearts and our minds as we surround ourselves with the truth of his word and a celebration of his work. And by God's grace, ending out this year and moving into next year, we can be a group of believers who is winning the war in our minds and who is giving God the praise, even in the battles. We're gonna have a little bit of a life group break over the next couple of months, but I would encourage you guys, make good use of the time away. Be a people who is intentional about giving God the glory and giving god the praise not because of what he does not because of what he gives but because of who he is we'll talk to you guys soon